0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another listener question episode, accumulated a few more. Some are more timely. If I've not dealt with your particular question, uh, don't give up. You don't have to send me a reminder. Uh, I still have a stack of them and I'm working through it. So thanks sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com. And Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. First one, I don't really push asking for podcast reviews, but I get some and I I don't really notice if it's five star, but if it's a one star and very rarely is it, I think I've gotten two one star reviews and this one is worth mentioning. I forget how he said it, but he didn't like it because it was that episode I did over lunch with uh, Alex and Mike and actually I got bad news. There were actually several of those. It shows how slow of an eater I am and it shows how outstanding the microphone is to pick up. I put the microphone in the middle of the table when I'm just meeting these guys and that we brought lunch in. We had some sandwiches there and some chips, obviously, which the commercial where the chips are very noisy. Apparently, that's the kind of chips I had. Uh, I'm doing this to have interesting content, and some of the most interesting content I find is more impromptu, where I'm not scripting it, and so I'm just having casual lunch with these guys. Still, I, I take the point, um, it is a little distracting to hear somebody munching. I don't remember hearing Alex and uh, Mike munching that much, but I think they were eating while I was talking. And then I started talking before I was finished eating and off and on. Apologizing for that. But as I give my sort of apology for that, my concern is I'm doing a hobby dinner pretty soon. And that's going to be the same thing. We're going to put a microphone. I don't have 12 microphones for the 12 individuals, but a hobby dinner after the card show. And that's liable to be a little bit of chewing sounds as well. I can't say it'll never happen again, but I realize that has happened before. Because if I'm talking over lunch, I'm just talking and it's hard for me to edit out the chomping that goes on. So I hope you'll just take that in a spirit of fun. Again, if I were a teenager, I'd say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And if I were as empathic as my wife, I'd just be profusely sorry. But I'm not. I I just think it's not a joke. If I were an accountant, I'd be thinking, you didn't pay for anything, so what's the big deal? If I were an attorney, I'd say, there's no damages and nobody died. If I am a statistician, I'd say, actually, I think out of a 1,000 episodes, there probably are uh, 10 of them that were done over lunch where you can hear an occasional bite uh, from me. And so he just got unlucky uh, to get one of those. Anyway, I'm not upset at my, my true response is I want to say thank you for giving me your perspective. I love it when there's constructive, uh, criticism. And I always know if somebody says something, they're not the only ones that, that think it. But again, content is king for me. I guess you would think maybe the food is king, but, but it wasn't that the lunch was so special. It's just I was listening, talking, doing the podcast and it just took longer and it was not a hot sandwich so i just was going slow second question or comment was from golden slumber talking about the episode just a little while ago about the when i just off the hand, mentioned Krispy Kreme donuts that if you come to my table, not my table, but if a dealer had a promotion where if you come to the table, you'll get a donut if you spend a certain amount of time or maybe a certain amount of money. And uh, he's pushing back that the uh, anybody with uh, type 2 diabetes need, would need to avoid your table. That would not be good. And on the other hand, just to tie it back, we actually did that and I'm not blaming Mark Harwell, but I think he came to me 20 plus years ago, one of the nationals, I believe it was out in Anaheim. He said, we're going to go out and get whatever it is, so many dozens and dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts, and we're going to get some coffee. The show is so hectic. We're just going to take them around these dozen donuts and, and give them some coffee and some donuts and pass them around. And those were amazing days. Again, I, now, like Claude and Summer saying, I, you might get in trouble for uh, foisting too many Krispy creams on uh, people that don't need to be eating them. Next is an email I got back a while back from Mike Steedline encouraging me to move forward with the YouTube stuff. And Mike, I just want to tell you, you can be looking at it on my YouTube channel, which I don't use very much, but it is where videos go. And so I will put some videos there that are my card reveals from, I got a bunch of cards back from BGS. Not all of them, but enough that I think I'll do another wave of videos. They'll just be short six minute videos for the segments of my card wall. Next question, and it's not really a question, it's from JJ, which is actually Josh Johnson. <laughs> I listened to the crossover and they were talking about, forget about 10xing the hobby, just 1.1 exit. And in reality, when you do the math and you figure that I think that the 10xing the hobby that we're talking about is really supposed to be over a 10 year period. And if that's the case, if you do the math, that really requires a 25, almost 26% increase each year. And if you do that, 26, 25.89 or whatever it is, there's an exact number, but just say 25% a year. We increased more than 25% a year in our company for at least seven years that I know of. We we had uh, double-digit increases in the size of our company, and, and that was great. But it's challenging because things are getting really hectic. Josh and Chris and Christina were talking about increasing by 10% a year. I really think... Fanatics and others want more than in in this day and time, they want more. So 25% is a reasonable, if you do 25% every year, you you will have 10x because of the power of compound interest. So what kind of 25% a year is reasonable for the next few years? Could we have 25% more kids? Yes, I think we could and I hope we do. Could we have 25% more international? Yes, I think we can and I hope we do. 25% more products? Not so sure about that. 25% higher prices? I don't really want that. Twenty-five percent less people leaving the hobby out of uh, frustration or moving on. Uh, I think not only do we need new people in the hobby, we want to keep the people that have been here and, and are finally figuring things out. I think we could easily have twenty-five percent more categories. New, not sub brands, but actually lacrosse uh, it could be there. There already are some lacrosse cards, but maybe rugby and all these other sports, uh, just like Formula One came on and opened up. Uh, a new group of collectors. So I think over the next few years, could there be 25% more categories? I think it's going to be music. There's going to be more entertainment, movies, celebrities, things like that. The NIL, anybody can play at that game. If you don't need a complete set and you're just going to make up a card, I think that could happen. So there could be 25% more LCSs. I think, I hope that happens. And I hope Fanatics encourages that. 25% more shows I think there will be 25% more shows, and I hope there's a variety of these shows that they're not all cookie cutter. I'd like to see some smaller shows, but I'd also like to see some FanFest, Comic-Con kinds of shows, which I think is what Fanatics wants to do. Do we want more podcasts? I think more podcasts. There could be more podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that start up and don't continue. I'm not going to do 25% more podcasts. I'm doing 25% less, actually. Could there be more mainstream publicity by 25%? I think it's already been increasing the last couple of years. Could there be 25% more player interaction with collectors and cards? I think that is happening as well. So I think those are good. Could there be 25% more cards being graded or 25% more grading companies? I think that could happen as well. Okay, so anyway, the the 1.1x versus 10x. To me, it's 25% is what I'm looking at. If it's 25% a year, that's something that our company survived and the industry survived, so it can't happen. Okay, Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, Again, same thing with the 1.1x. The interest in Kansas City has increased by more than 1.1x just in the last month. Uh, because of more eyeballs coming to to football, can it translate into the card collecting? I think it can. Let's see what company will take up that challenge uh, while they can. And then another question, this was forwarded on a little bit from Rich, but it was about vintage non-sport, that there's a certain known hobby personality aggressively buying some vintage non-sports. And is he ahead of the curve? This is a guy that's been ahead of the curve before. I think that doesn't sound bad to me. I remember when I was a kid in the 50s and the 60s and seeing cards, not as many people were interested in the non-sport, but when they were, they really were. In fact, anything non-baseball was not Uh, esteemed 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But when we did the football magazine, the basketball magazine, non-sport got more popular, hockey, NASCAR, all those non-baseball things were not held in high regard and they are now. So, could some of these vintage non-sport sets, and I'm really talking about probably maybe the 60s, but especially the 50s, 40s and 30s for sure, Especially in those days, those were iconic subject matter that more people were talking about in those days. The interesting question to me is the condition profile of non-sport, just like football, uh, basketball, hockey, baseball, which ones were more handled? I don't know that. I haven't studied that to see that baseball cards were the main thing in the 50s. Does that mean that the average 50s card of baseball that you find is a five condition? But the non-sport, the average is a six or a seven because they weren't played with as much. On the other hand, they were smaller sets. Maybe they were played with as much, just less people. And the people that got those were the ones that were really interested in Elvis or Davy Crockett or Mars Attacks or any of these things that they did. People are always looking for the next thing. I don't want to buy the thing that's already gone up. I'd rather buy the thing that has potential to go up further and to benefit from that. And if it ever was popular on some level, it could get popular again. If it was never popular, it could get. Now, if it's way overproduced, you need to do some homework there. On the other hand, even the things that would have been overproduced in the 70s, 60s, 50s, they weren't overproduced in uh, in mint condition. They maybe were produced in mint condition, but now you don't find uh, some of these. So that's where grading can kick in. That's why people are interested in not only non-sport cards that are vintage, but unopened wax packs from some of those years, if you can find them. Again, they're good stuff. It's how many people are interested in that subject matter. And there's a lot of people interested in history, a lot of people interested in music, but I think even more people interested in sports in the traditional collecting sense. But these other areas, they still have a following. And if that following grows, the production quantities of those sets are so much lower than baseball that it wouldn't take much to move that needle. So this uh, unnamed uh, uh, person uh, is probably is ahead of the curve. And so we'll see. I don't know if he's going to make a market in it, but seeing what he's doing and thinking that makes sense or it doesn't make sense, but he's been right more often than he's been wrong. So thanks everybody. Another uh, listener question episode. Thanks for your questions. Keep them coming and I'll address them as I can. The man